This week on The Sport Blokes, while Stewie's trip came to a close, a very special friend of the show and an honorary sport bloke, the ginger assassin himself, joined me. Sydney are kings of the NBL once again, but there were racing scandals to tank or not to tank and so much more. Let's go. It's 8.27 on Thursday, the 16th of March, 2023. Greetings to you wherever you may be listening to us this week. As always, very special thank you also to those who have liked and subscribed and check out those timestamps. Very special guest will be with me for the majority of the show today. But I've got to talk about the NBL finals. They have wrapped up. Sydney are kings of the league once again for a second consecutive season. I've just finished re-watching the halftime show and the fourth quarter after watching the game late last night with Alex. We, I think we wrapped up at about quarter to two. So the details might be a little bit hazy. Now, obviously, it's been three games since we last released an episode. A very special thank you once again to Woody and Robbie from Throwback Hoops who joined me last week. And and obviously, we had a great chat about a bunch of things. So please check that out if you haven't already and check out Throwback Hoops. They do a great show. I can't believe I didn't take the opportunity to give them shit for doing better than them in their own NBL Fantasy League. After reluctantly joining, I lost to the eventual champion Liam Santamaria in the semifinals. So decent effort, given that I... Didn't really know what the fuck I was doing till about the fourth or fifth week. Anyway, three games. I must admit, didn't see game three. The, the perils of time difference mean that I watch a lot on delay. I watch very little sport live these days unless it is basically here being played in Perth at nighttime or on the weekend. Once I saw the score for game three, I decided not to watch. I just... Didn't kind of get around to it in the end. And look, it was a blowout, 91-68. Often happens. And I think you can still have a very good series with one blowout. Four out of five ain't bad. I think it was a bit of a series for the purists. It did feel like they kind of fell over the finish line at the end, which is understandable. Both teams really banged up. Lots of injuries left, right and centre. Although I did crunch the numbers. New Zealand averaged 77.2 for the series. Sydney averaged 81.2 for the series. So that was higher than, than I kind of thought. And the winners averaged 84.8, while the losers averaged 73.6. It really was a great series, though. Definitely the two best teams. Sydney, the absolute deserved champions. They were absolutely magnificent in that fourth quarter last night. And I'll get there in a second. But first of all, hats off to the New Zealand Breakers, particularly given they didn't play a home game for a couple of years, finishing dead last of 5-23 and 23 last season and second last, 12-24 and 24 the season before. And of course, they start getting home games and they're one win off first place, 18 and 10 behind only Sydney, 19 and 9. So the two best teams were definitely competing. Just an incredible effort from the Breakers. But you can't help but think, if Sydney are kings, does that make the Breakers the Prince? Maybe Prince Harry? You can't help but think that maybe this was the one that got away. Stealing game one, getting home court advantage, and then just Losing game two when Walton Jr. and Cooks barely played. I mean, incredible masterstroke coaching move by Buford. Kept those blokes a little bit fresher. Meant that Cooks could do what he did last night. And boy, did he have a great closeout game. Alex was just, he was loving it and getting really excited about uh, the Boomers, but also thought that he'd be a really nice addition to the Wizards because he hasn't had a chance to watch much NBL. I kind of brought him up to speed a little bit. He uh, probably followed it a bit more in the... Well, I guess the last Halcyon days, you could probably say now are the Halcyon days, back in the early and mid-90s. Speaking of the mid-90s, Jack Heaven was saying in the fourth quarter that it was the third highest attended season of all time and the most since 1996. And by the way, that's when there were 14 teams. So there were more games played then. The grand final, greatest ever as far as attendance was concerned, 67,811 walked through the turnstiles across the five games, which is an average of 13,562. Magnificent effort from the fans in Sydney. Great for the fans in New Zealand. Great for the health of the game. Again, hats off to New Zealand. They really will feel like it was the one that got away, but they they were just magnificent and competed really, really well. Did what they needed to do in Game 4 after playing quite poorly in Game 3 when they were blown out 91-68. That 10-point win in Game 4 was magnificent. Sometimes it was a silly shot selection. Other times, well... The third quarters were a big, big problem. Now, the good news was the third quarter wasn't a big problem in game five, but the problem was that they kind of just pushed it to the fourth quarter. 
And I'll talk about that in a moment. But listen to this. Game one, 22 points, minus five point differential. 11 in game two, minus 12. 12 in game three, minus 12. And 15 in game four, minus 10. So they really did often went into halftime tied or with a lead or, or within striking distance and did really put themselves behind the eight ball in that third quarter for a lot of the series, which I think is a major, major reason why they lost it. I think another reason is just Sydney were more poised. So they were 56 all heading into the fourth quarter. And it was only the second time ever that a deciding game was tied at three-quarter time in a NBL Grand Final series. The last time was 1992 when the Southeast Melbourne defeated the Tigers before Gazy finally won that first championship over here in Perth. Jerry Walton Jr., the eventual MVP, and rightfully so, I believe, controlled the game really, really well. And for every nice play that New Zealand had down the stretch, like the little Barry Brown Jr., little pass to Derek Pardon for the easy bucket, there was a stupid three early in a shot clock by often Brantley. I always talk about him living and dying by the three. And look, that was one of the great storylines of the series, him going toe-to-toe with Xavier. He clearly thinks that he should have had the NBA contract and that maybe he should have been ahead of the uh, queue in front of Xavier. But Xavier's performance in Game 5 really showed why he's been given that contract. And we all wish him the absolute best and hope he does really well over there in Washington. And I do think that Brantley is an NBA prospect, but I do think his decision-making needs to improve a little bit. I do think he shoots those long threes every now and then, and it can really hurt the team. But they did die by the sword that they live by the breakers. They did shoot a lot of threes. I think they did have the attitude that three is better than two, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Controversy left, right, and center. So Chase Buford acted like a pork chop and got himself ejected, and then stormed out of a press conference in game four, going on about the refs and the foul count. I do think that Sydney have had the better of the refs all series and all playoffs. And it was really interesting, some of the comments from Matt Walsh on Code Sports, and I quote, it's pretty clear that Chase is very calculated in how he's tried to manipulate the refs all season. When they're on the right side of the foul count and won, it's because they're the Sydney Kings and they're a good team. It probably felt a lot worse because they're used to getting all the calls. When they're on the wrong side of it, one time, that's the only reason they lost, because they played five on eight. Now, I do think that the NBL's $3,000 fine was a bit weak. I really do think that Chase Buford has stretched his luck on a number of occasions. But quite frankly, that's on the NBL to control, not him. And you've got a boundary push if they keep letting you do it. So again, that's on the league. I do think it was an unfair comment. I do think they had the better end of the refs. I don't think that's why they won the series. They did win because they played better down the stretch. They were much more poised than New Zealand. So New Zealand, the aforementioned Barry Brown pass to Derek Pardon, I believe, is the score that led it to a 66-59 lead to the Breakers. And then from that point onwards, they only scored three more points in basically the last six minutes of the game. If I'm not mistaken, the Kings finished on an 18-4 run. Now, it was interesting to hear on NBL today that uh, Liam Santamaria said that the Xavier Cook's offensive rebound was the defining moment of the game. Now, I believe that must be the one where Thomas Abercrombie got his fifth foul in what was his 399th and maybe last NBL game. And look, it was a massive play. It was an and one. Xavier's not great at the line, so hitting that shot was really big down the stretch. It was a massive foul. Abercrombie fouling out from that point. Okay, he didn't have a big game statistically, but defensively he's really important for that team, particularly defending Xavier Cooks. So it was a big play. But I've got to say, it's Angus Glover. It's got to be Angus Glover. So injured already, banged up, clearly in a lot of pain. They reckon he might have had broken ribs. It was that missed three rebound follow-up dunk to me was the defining moment of the game and maybe the series. He played superbly well. I've been on his bandwagon for so long. I remember talking about him in episode 78 when we were previewing a season a couple of years ago with the NBL Pocket Podcast guys. Shout out to them. Heard their last episode today. Big fan of his. And it was funny. I was saying to Alex that he. I always thought he had a bit of Glenn Savile about him. Now, this isn't necessarily all to do with his game, but a little bit about his demeanor and his attitude and his ability to knock down the three, and he hit some big ones throughout the whole series. He hit a massive one in the fourth quarter, but also his ability to take it to the rack and to just be injured and to throw it down the way he did. I turned to Al and I said, if Sydney win, this play is why. I really do believe it was a massive play. Yes, okay, in tandem with the Xavier rebound and the Abercrombie foul out. They're two massive players and a really big reason why the Kings won. But also Walton Jr., the shot he hit to make it, 
I think it was 66 all was just, it wasn't necessarily a high percentage shot, but geez, he hit it and it was huge. The other controversy, of course, was the Derek Pardon glass cleaning slash full bottle being thrown onto the court incident. Really poor, not something you want to see. Okay, obviously the crowd were pissed off, but that's not how you should be acting. And I've got to say, with 231 left and the Kings up 71-66, the crowd was celebrating like they won. I reckon they thought they had it won half the stadium, if not more of it. And as a Spurs fan who has Ray Allen still haunting my nightmares, I thought, geez, <laughs> getting a bit ahead of yourselves, guys. But then there were some really, really bad Vaughan Mabry calls too at the end. Now, again, I don't think that this would have meant that New Zealand would have won, but I think it would have meant a more interesting finish. First of all, the bullshit illegal screen on Rob Lowe was just so ticky-tack and just terrible. And then to stop play when Xavier Cooks fell on the floor for them to wipe up the sweat when a fast break was on for the breakers and, and Liam Santa Maria was scathing and, and rightly so, I think. There was no reason for them to blow the whistle dead there. They could have let it play out and they could have blown the whistle dead at a later time had there been a turnover or a rebound, fast break, whatever it might have been. So really poor finish there for Vaughan Mowbray. I know he's been referee of the year probably several times, but yeah, that, that did mean that the last couple of minutes were a little bit less exciting than perhaps they could have been. But great season, really great finish and hats off to the Kings once again. All right, enough of that for me flying solo. Let's get into the rest of the show with our guest. Now, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is that I get to spend time and work with some of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Obviously, Stewie is one of my very best mates. I was best man at his wedding. Love catching up. Love chewing the fat. My girlfriend and best friend. Oh, shucks. Who does a lot of voiceover work. You'll hear a little bit of that in today's episode as well. And of course, my brother, Dan, as well, who's also done music and artwork for us, a whole bunch of things for us. It is great working with my favorite people. Well... My co-host and guest for the next two episodes is also one of my favourite people in the whole wide world. He never fails to make me laugh. Super entertaining. I could hear him talk about anything, quite frankly. Basically, we had a two-hour chat in front of the mic after about half an hour down at the Inglewood and talked about a whole range of things. So, look, it's a little bit all over the place. This one's a little bit more sporty. The next one will be a little bit more air guitar but they'll be both in both. Here's a little recap of some of the sports chat from the last time the Ginger Assassin joined us on episode 95. Please do go back and check it out. Don't listen to this in lieu of that if you haven't listened to that one, because as I say, he's super entertaining. But I did want to include a little bit here. Now, this isn't all self-indulgent. It's nice to get Stewie's voice in when he's not here, just for a tiny bit of the episode, if nothing else. But there's also some stuff that was referenced that we kind of readdressed in this episode. So if you haven't gone back and listened, here's a little taste. just the crowd running and isn't it amazing like it's okay buddy bags his thousandth goal right so he hits he hits the thousand he hits the millennia and then the narratives and the stories that are born from that moment you know like it's his his moment he's the catalyst and then the crowd and there's all these little side stories that have emerged from this moment is the lady scattering her mum's ashes what the fuck is going on (laughs) It's like births, deaths, and marriages. There was a proposal. There was like just about the only thing missing was was literally someone giving birth and calling him buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. The wallet story was that Tui. Yeah, 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 the yeah. wallet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, he, he wallet and Casey drops and uh, yeah, and, and that Tui followed him into the crowd. I mean, you had the other one. You had uh, yeah, Chad Warner and Ollie Florent ending up outside outside the ground, <laughs> basically just wandering around the streets. Oh. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. fair income. They were literally outside the ground. Like it was it was nearly a forty minute delay. Like they predicted a twenty minute delay. It went for nearly forty in the end. But geez, I'll tell you what, I'd love to know the COVID numbers after that because it's nearly almost a super spreader. Like it's, what a bizarre super situation. Spreaders, and then there's that's there's a that. buddy. Yeah. yeah, there's that. That's a bloody. That's a buddy spreader. <laughs> now we probably need to change the the uh, the tone a little bit. We've mm. we've we've come to the the cricket section of this. Yes, yes. So we'll follow the rock star theme. Now, obviously, there's no bigger rock star in the entire world of cricket in the last probably hundred years than one Shane mm. Warne. Unfortunately, we had his passing fairly recently, and we did a, a little eleven minute recording, just kind of in the immediate yeah. aftermath. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on Warney and and kind of what he meant to you as well, Al. Like, what what are your memories of him growing up and all that sort of stuff? God, it's it's, it's a tragedy, isn't it? It's, it's it really is a life cut short. 
when you think about it. Oh, yeah, um, 50. Isn't it? How could you forget? I still remember when Shane Warne, I remember when he came onto the scene. Because I always used to watch cricket with my dad in the lounge room. And when Shane Warne came on to play in his the first test match against England, um, the Ashes series, and my dad was telling me about him. And then he, the the ball. I, the, the, I, gadding, the gadding ball, the, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The gadding, yeah. The ball, gadding ball. Seeing that ball and just thinking, who is this guy? And, you know, like I remember being in year three just practising leg spin. Like I played cricket for years and then I, I was a leg spinner. I progressively became worse the more I played. But <laughs> when I was quite young, I just – it's because I used to practice all the time when I was young and it was because of Shane Warne, because I idolised the guy. It was just such a rock star. And, um, and he really took the game on, didn't he? He just, he just epitomised just the Aussie – just the Aussie – you know, larrikin, but also a controversial character, just a skill level that had never b- before been seen from a spin bowler doing things that were just, he was just a genius of the game. And it, even when you heard him talk strategy, the way that he he spoke of tactics and his understanding of the game was also just at such a high level. And I guess it's just a bit of a sad thing with our, with mass, you know, with corporate sponsorship in sports that, you know, Shane warns. I mean, his off-field, his off-field behaviour was almost as legendary as his on-field oh, behaviour. That, that was part of the rock star persona, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it all really part was. of the mythology, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He, I think he had such an impact on so many, not only Australians, but fans of cricket around the world, and it's a huge loss. I've got to say, his performance in the IPL, that inaugural IPL with the Rajasthan oh. Royals, he took them to the the very first championship with a with a yep. team of like young kids that no one had heard of. Like that's one of his yep. greatest achievements is in his, his entire career. Right at the oh, end, great for the sport, isn't it? Those those just classic rivalries, you know, that can just permeate and almost transcend generations and time, basically. Because I mean, we look obviously in the in the male competition. Obviously, the Federer and Nadal thing was was massive, but it was that it was that huge rivalry which gave birth to Djokovic, wasn't it really? Yeah. His, his, great, his greatness really spawned from the greatness of his predecessors. Why do these players feel that like that's the only option they've got when they're frustrated is to just throw a racket? And, I mean... Oh, I feel an Oscars reference coming on. What it was? Oh, just random acts of violence. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? Like, what do they do? Go up to the line, the line <laughs> judge and him. slap him in the well, face? Well, you know, like... Novak hits him in the throat, so why not? True. Oh my, yeah. Oh God, isn't it? Love, love 15, love will make you do crazy things. Poor <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys, they just get slapped because, you know, you haven't scored a point yet, love. Um, I can't believe, I can't believe Will, though, using just trying to get himself out of it with every fucking, oh God, protecting fierce family, love makes you do crazy things. No, mate. You you did it. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No, you know? that's that's amazing. Yeah. We, we're, just, yeah. Stewie's not a big fan of this whole I, talking point. I, I, so. I, yeah, still, I still think it's staged. No, but... it wasn't staged. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. No, honestly, for me, it's just it's toxic masculinity. Like, honestly, the guy going in there, just I think he just is unhinged. But anyways, I know we're not talking about that, but it's that same sort of thing. Like, I agree with you. Look, look at the reactions of the of the male players, certain male players when they're losing it, and they do act quite violently, you know, when they're breaking rackets and whatnot. I know it's not just another human, but they do vent out their frustration physically. Yeah, I know yeah. female players can too, but I don't think it's as like it's as barbaric as like a male player no. when they do it and i know maybe i'm clutching at straws here i don't know but no you're not you're no just, no there's definitely the proof's in the pudding on that one i mean alex ferrer yeah, yeah. smashed his racket on the on the the uh the, the chair umpires and chair got off and, very lightly like, incredibly to, yeah. lightly yeah so it's, you know yeah, like it's crazy yeah T- tennis really is is also epitomizes male tantrums Find me another sport where you're going to get as many fucking tantrums by grown ass men. I guess it then makes sense that that Will was in a movie about tennis, King Richard. Yeah, true. But he won won his Oscar for it, doesn't it? Well, our guest host riding shotgun with me this week is an Australian champion, a Guinness World Record holder, two time world runner up, 
including in his rookie season, an honorary sport bloke and a friend of the show, of course. He's known for his showmanship, charisma and charm, of which he has in spades. And funnily enough, the last time we had him on the show on episode 95 was nearly exactly a year ago. More by coincidence than design. But this time he's sitting right next to me. A very sport bloke's welcome and thank you to the ginger assassin himself. Ooh. Hello, Alex Roberts. I'll tell you one thing, mate. That is the bloody best reception I've ever had. Mate, I feel like I'm a stick of dynamite right now. You've just lit the fuse. Oh, well, you're, you're infectious. Have I done all that stuff? Mate? Well, I, I believe so, if I'm not wrong. You can correct. Feel free to correct the ledger if anything's wrong. I tell you. you told us how well researched we were last time. We'll skip ahead here, but you can hear this bit in the lead-up to the Ginger Assassin's air guitar update in the next episode. Run around the grounds, bit of news. We'll go, what do you got? What do you reckon? Go, serve it up. Oh, fuck. Now, actually, this one's this one's sad and requires empathy, which, which we have, which is lucky. Totally. So, so initially, thoughts for Georgia Nesbitt and her family. She's actually in a coma after a freak crash in a cycling event in Hobart recently. It is terrible. But the good news is the eight-time national champion and board member of Rowing Tasmania is in a stable condition. Well, thank goodness for that. So, like I said, thoughts to her and her yeah. family. So I'm sorry to transition. I completely forgot my Don't first ap- item. Don't apologise. The Australian Rugby League Commission has confirmed reports it is now aligned with the AFL and World Rugby in introducing mandatory 11-day stand-down periods for concussed players. Mm. This will occur immediately, immediate effect from round three. And there's concerns about Kalen Ponga. Okay. I say his name as if I know anything about rugby, which I don't. The well, sport blokes is often an ironic term. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like reading the news. I like digesting the news and talking about the news. I couldn't tell you who the fuck Kalen Ponga was. No, no, I don't know who Kalen Ponga is, but but here's the deal. And this is what this is what really sort of sends my mind into a bit of a flurry, is that We've got all these players, and look, again, like you, I heard the name of some rugby players on the radio today, had no idea. Yeah. But then when I heard the AFL players who are representing, right. I recognised the players. And Oh, you're talking about Liam Picken and um, who was the other? Are you talking about the concussion yeah. court case shit? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But, no, but no, like like, fam- like famous retired players coming forward and wanting to, yeah. you know, like, like but, yeah. but here's the deal, right? I ask myself this. Did these players, they, obviously they're a bit older now and they're like, oh, my head's a bit fucked. There must be all those concussions. How many drugs did they take? How much alcohol did they drink? How many parties did they go to after their footy careers? Could that also be impacting their mental capacity at this point in time? Oh, almost certainly for most of them. Yeah. So this so, so this, the, this is this this whole thing is a massive can of worms. Totally. And that's that's a key thing yeah. for starters. Too many. Too so many. the other the other thing is the brief. Talks about players from like I think the early seventies, right? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh well, then up to, up to twenty twenty three, right? That's a large scope. It's a huge scope, it's and so huge. you can't, you can't, and so well, look. I mean, there's a long way to go, and a wise court would, you would hopefully look at the context and the case by case nature of these players. Totally. But that's a that's an enormous scope, and players in twenty twenty two, for example, mm-hmm. can't claim the same level of. That's right. I don't know. Of severity. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I'll... maybe the severity is the same, but as as oh, far as knowledge yeah. and understanding That's of right. concussions. That's right. And and player health and player safety. Yeah. They are much 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 more well informed. Mm. So it's. I mean, that's going to be a fascinating. That 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 one has just begun. Yeah. And it could be years. I don't know. I'm looking. For I, I must admit, I haven't done much research on that one yet. No. Well, Giuliani's sort of coming to the forefront now. Very recently, yeah. And, and you uh, can bet they saved it for round one, which starts tomorrow. It's all staging. Yeah, PR. Yeah. Geniuses. Yeah. Let's break the story the bloody two days beforehand. Can, can they remember? Well, maybe that's why they're like, we'll break the story early so people will still remember it by first round. But your your comment's really interesting, though, going back to what you said, because it hadn't even occurred to me. And uh, if people are going on the stand, yeah, no. are, um, they, are they, are they going to be asking them, so tell me, player, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Black, how many parties did you go to? And yeah. On, on those trips away, yeah. you know, to the US <laughs> or sure Bali or wherever, Thailand or wherever it was. ways that your, uh, you know, mental capacity has been compromised over the years. Is there any 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 sort of way? Yeah. Did you go out? Is it drinking yep. a beer? How often were you drinking? Out? How exactly. often were you doing drugs? Yeah, exactly. Partying a lot. How much is concussion-based? And I mean, you know, how much is sport injury-based and how much is 
personal choice. Context, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good Interesting. point. It's good, mate. All right. Good one. Yeah, I wish I'd done a little bit more research on yeah, that yeah, one. That's yeah, that's fine. But that's the way it's just the beginning. Yeah. Maria Sakari is into the quarters at the Indian Wells in the lead into the US Open. No thanks from her opponent, Carolina Pliskova, who gave a bit of a lettuce leaf handshake post-match and refused to look her opponent in the eyes. Sore loser. But apparently Pliskova reckons Maria cheated oh. and apparently touched the ball at the net in the third when the chair umpire didn't see. Sakari will face Petra Kvitova. That is salty, isn't it? You give the lettuce leaf handshake with a bit of salt in the eyes. And I'll tell you what, you've got a recipe for animosity. And funnily enough, last time you were with us, I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. but well, I played you... AFL for Ryan Monarchs and Sussman. No, sorry. Serious. Sorry, not AFL. I party. No, hang on. No, what were you saying again? You are an air guitar champion, mate. You would party. I'd expect nothing less. Uh, You'll you. love our last news story. Oh, Oh, but anyway, yeah. funnily enough, last time you joined us, you talked about, you said, is there anything that embodies the male tantrum more than, than tennis? Yeah. Uh, give or take. I mean, I, right. I, I... You put on your... Paraphrase. You put on your 20 out of 20, <laughs> didn't you? You polish it, <laughs> polish it with a bit of your lip. Oh, Literally. Geez. I love uh, it. Good work. But yeah, so, so look, the ladies can be a bit salty too. It's not mm. just the blokes. Well, that's right. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I... Look, like, come off at Pliskova. So... Pliskova's telling us that in the third, when the chair umpire wasn't looking, she touched a ball at the net. Well, you'd hope the chair umpire was looking, but just missed it. You'd hope they were looking. Like, if what, they're not looking, what, what there's a problem. The yeah, well, there. that's right. That's right. It's not like a lifesaver at the beach. Like a lifesaver at the beach would get distracted a bit, but, you know, like they're still looking. Well, that's true. A chair umpire doesn't. No. Umpire has got one job. That's right. You know? Yeah. There's no sharks. There's no sharks. Unless Greg Norman's there's, in the crowd. There's no bikinis. There's no speedos. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing that can divert your attention. There's two players on a court and they're salty and they're getting it done. But we love it because it gives us shit to talk about. Yes. Speaking of, tear out, tear out. Look, what? I'm not, I'm not one to talk too much about the personal lives of athletes and their sexual proclivities. And, no, what? I mean, yeah, same. And whatnot. Right. But did you hear about the Tiger Woods breaker? No, what? I didn't oh. even know that he was in a relationship. So this is cold. What's that? Oh, tell me. This is colder than the aircon that's blasting us. Yeah, it is chilly. You don't you don't invite the air guitar champion around <laughs> and then not put on the aircon. You're cool. According to a new lawsuit, mm -hmm. after enticing his partner Erica to the airport with the promise of a bit of a getaway. Yeah, good. Bit of a holiday. Yeah. 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 Well, you think so. Well, I, I am. Tiger's people, his handlers, informed her that after she'd been all packed up, the relationship was over and it was time to hit the road. Fuck off. Fair dinkum. If lawsuit is correct, it's been reported a bit. It's pretty cold. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. That is abominable. It's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. It's cold. Mate. Mate. Far out. Ty oh, the thing is... I don't actually think he has a soul anymore. I think he's oh. just well. No, after the skin, so it's a big call. Yeah. Well, allegedly. Well, um, <laughs> well, after you cheated on your wife with twenty-two women, and they were only the ones that came forward. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, mate, yeah I, I, I look, I, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think that really, when it comes to dating relationships, I'm her, not convinced he's a great person. What's her name? Erica. Uh, Erica. I, I don't know his surname. Sorry, Erica, it's but he had you hooked line and zinger. Yeah. Uh, Erica, the fact of the matter is that, and this sucks, but you know what? Maybe it's not so bad, Erica, because we'd never, heard, we'd never heard of you. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. And the fact that Tyler Woods has broken up with you in such a disgusting and repulsive way has actually put you into the light. And now, Erica, we got your back. We've got your back, Erica. Oh, we do. We've got your back. Fuck that guy. I mean, this is a problem. He can't. Refrain from putting his own bloody club into the bag of. I see the metaphor you're uh, trying Thanks. to. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah. all right. Tiger's minions. Well, yeah, I think that was from the news story, copied yeah. word for word. So I, I did a bit of uh, yeah, bit of paraphrasing, yeah. as they say in the business. Now, Al, I brought this one in for levity, but this what do you got? There's so much levity in our discussion that there's no substance. <laughs> all right. Anyway. So you've heard of Cocaine Bear? No, what? 
Have you not heard of Cocaine Bear? It's Cocaine Bear. You just killed my whole premise. I'm sorry. What's Cocaine Bear? Okay, well, I'll tell you. Okay. And then when I say you've heard of him, yeah. you had heard of him because I've told you. Okay. All right. Okay. So Cocaine Bear, it's oh, it's just this stupid horror movie, this schlock horror movie that's yeah. come out recently based on a true story. Okay. Apparently a drug smuggler jumped out of a plane with all these bricks of coke. Yeah. And bears got into it in the south or something in the US. Yeah. And they made, they made a movie of it. And not only that, well, it's... Bears got hooked on the coke. Well, it, it died of a heart attack. But the movie is much more... It, it's it's based on a true story. You know, It's very <laughs> loosely based on it. The bear has got no one telling him. The bear's got no one going, hey, 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 just have this much, you know? And Oh, you're right. You know? Maybe, yeah. He's got There's the, no responsible the, usage. The, the bear was just like, if it was, oh, fuck, if, that feels all right. Just kept hoofing yeah, on the right. he'd been in Lisbon or something. Exactly. He'd be okay. Be okay. The, the lawmakers and yeah. the... Yeah, exactly. You know, like we it, get into everything, drug policy, exactly everything. So unfortunately, yeah. So they made it into a movie, yeah. and and so they were advertising it incessantly during the Super Bowl. So obviously in Australia, we don't get the wonderful Super Bowl ads they get in America. No. And we, funnily enough, so as if our audience can't tell, yeah. we had a couple of beverages down at the Inglewood before we hit record. Certainly did. And we're, and so my girlfriend and her friends have a tradition. I think some of them have been going for like fifteen years mm-hmm. to the Inglewood for the Super Bowl. So I have this this year is my fifth. Right. Nice. So, so anyway, yeah. So this ad for Cocaine Bear. So a lot of us that went along to the Super Bowl all went and saw Cocaine Bear last week. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. How was it? Uh, B grade. Yeah. Look, as far as schlock horror movies go, it's above most, but it's still below Snakes on a Plane. Have you seen yeah. Snakes on a Plane? Classic. Yeah. Love it. So, so it doesn't reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't reach. You know, it doesn't reach those heights. No, 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 no. Well, you know and what? not just because it's set in a plane and on land. No, no, no. Heights being a metaphor rather than a literal. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Fuck off. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. She's fascinating. She's she's really interesting. I saw her on the Daily Show the other night. She is fascinating. Well, okay. Yeah. Golf club metaphors. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I was in the role of the, of the tennis umpire. And oh. I, got a, I got a bit. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. That's why, that's why bloody Pliskovar's bloody Elizabeth Banks. Now go on. Well, anyway, okay. <clears throat> Start again. Now, you've you've heard of Cocaine Bear, Alex. Yeah. But what? have you heard of Cocaine Horse? What? Now, now, I'm not talking about John Longmire, thank God. Now, this one's actually from February. And Assembly recently had a big win at the Gold Edition plate. I used to have where that was located, but I lost it in my editing. Queensland somewhere. Now, it was trained by Mark Curry. It tested positive to cocaine following his win in last December's... Well, you're from New Zealand now. Yeah, I know. It's a bit Kiwi then. Hello to our friends across the ditch. The NBL Grand Final, Game 5 was tonight, actually. Game 5? Is that five games now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've avoided the result because we've met. I'm going to watch it after you head off. I can throw it on. Let's, you can watch it with me if you let's want. Let's both watch it. If you want, fuck off. I'm fucking in. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so that's why I did that. You don't need to, you don't need to have any excuses. Oh, Eagle Farm. There it is. Eagle Farm. Okay. Anyway. So what's happening here? What, what? It's like cocaine horse. It's tested positive to coke, this horse, right? So you can just imagine it going out to the clubs and it's rubbing happens. a bit under the guns and, you know, so doing a bit of Mr. Ed. Yeah. Anyway, if found guilty... Yeah, what the the horse? The horse would miss out on over a hundred thousand dollars worth of the winner's check. Yeah, along with the victory. Yeah, well, the horse. I well, to be honest, I feel that the horse doesn't get to spend the night with the uh, mares, and you know, I think it, there needs to be some punishment. The horse is also an equal participant in the cocaine usage. I mean, if you see, if you see, you know, you see the stuff on the table, it's not yours. Don't do it. So the horse has well. You just imagine it chopping up on a mirror with its hooves. <laughs> but but I, I you've contradicted yourself there. There's the bear to come in. Well, this is the thing. So with the bear, you said no one was there to tell the bear what to do. Yeah. Are you suggesting that uh, Mark Curry could have said to the horse, hey, look, no, you're like a good knight. Oh, I hate to but say it. But if you want to win me some money, stay off that's the what, Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. One of them has used it recreationally, and that's their call. The other one has used it in a professional capacity. Right. And whether it was from the night before, you know, getting around the stable, a bit of horsing around, you know how they get. Or because, because of... Anything, <laughs> technically, anything a horse does is horsing around. Like, anything. That's true. Anything. Hey, hey, what are you, hey, what are you doing? And it's just writing an essay, horsing around. Just horsing again. around. Horsing around again. What are you doing? It's just, it's just eating hay. 
Ah, oh, horse. Stop horse Stop around. Stop around. Give it a rest, won't you? It's having a sleep. Have, doing a line of code. <laughs> yeah. Just doing a, hey, hey, hey. Are you horsing around? How's this for irony, L? What? It would elevate the currently second place getter, Golden Boom, to first. Get out. Just as well. It wasn't Silver Boom. It, that's bloody genius. I thank you for giving that shitty joke more than it deserves. All right, quick yeah. NBA out. Yeah. Quickly running out of time. Okay. Here's my little notes. Okay, what do you got? Well, we got to talk about the Thunder. Yep. So not far removed from his 17 assist game that we talked about recently, Josh Giddy had another triple double in OKC's 121-107 to win over Brooklyn when he had a 15, 13, and 10. And he actually passed Magic Johnson for the second most triple doubles by a player before turning 21 years of age. You want to have a crack at who the record holder is? Uh, yes, I would like to have three guesses. Yeah, yeah, of course. The first guess that I'll go with is uh, Oscar Robertson. Good guess. The second I'll go with is Russell Westbrook. No, good guess. Okay, the third I'll go with. Fuck, I've only got one left. 21 years old. Is he... Now we're going to ask some preliminary questions. Is he older or younger? He's still playing. Don't tell me it's Ben Simmons. Luka Doncic. Oh, Luka Doncic. Of course it's Luka Doncic. Yeah, so he has 21. With Ben Simmons, I'd be disgusted. Yeah, well, that's a funny story, isn't it? I mean, is he, is he destined for the NBL soon? Like how, or the, maybe Europe, maybe. How quickly has his downfall happened? It's incredible. It's incredible. I don't know. I just don't know what to make of it all. I can't think, I'm, I really struggle to think of a parallel in Australian athletic history. Getting number one pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. You think about how rare that is. Oh, yeah. Rookie of the year, accolades. Yeah. All-star. Yeah. What the hell happened? It's just, it's incredible. Well, do you know what happened? He got found out. Can't shoot. He got found out. You want to be a basketball player? You want to be a basketball player at the high level? You've got to be able to put the ball in the hoop. You know, even as a playmaker, like you still have to put the ball in the hoop. Otherwise, de defenses won't come up to you. If you cannot shoot then they'll just, they'll just let you have all the room you want. But if you're going to try and get to the basket, they're going to be there. They're all going to be waiting there for you. Do you know what I mean? But it was because he was so proud of his niche. He was, you know, he was so, he just took such pride in the fact that he didn't need to shoot and he was still at such a high level. And it's only a matter of time before, before, you, get found out. before you get found out. Do you like Bill Simmons? Do you listen to Bill Simmons? No. Bill Simmons podcast? Yeah, he he used to write a lot. Now he podcasts. Yeah, oh, I love I love yeah. Bill Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know who he is. So he he's convinced that Ben doesn't love the game, right? And it's harder, or well, you're less likely to work hard if you don't love the game. I think yeah, that's fair. So I, I think that's an interesting comment. And a lot of stuff that's recirculating these days is one of the knocks on him. Now he was consensus number one as he should have been. Yeah. And I watched a lot of his LSU games because they were all on ESPN. How was but, he? Oh, he was excellent. It was really interesting. One of the, I uh, forget the bloke's name, but one of his teammates clearly envied him right. and would like freeze him out. The dynamics were fascinating. The chemistry was really interesting. And they shut him down before the end of the season because they weren't making the tournament. But one of the knocks on him heading into the draft was, does he want it enough? Yeah. Does he just kind of lack interest or lack care sometimes? Yeah, Chickens are coming home to roost a little bit there. Wow. I wonder if he should have been an AFL player. Maybe I was, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Can you think about the yeah. strong pack marks he'd take? Yeah. I mean, the thing is that he, he'd have about 60, 70 million dollars now, you know, like he, endorsements like, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he wouldn't, yeah, like he's made great money out of it. And this is the thing, you know, like you look at the evolution of the modern day superstar and the way that the game has changed is that now elite players are complete players. You know what I mean? They can do it all. LeBron James just, look at LeBron. You know, he utilizes athleticism as a means of differentiation to other players because he was just such an athletic specimen and so, so great. But his, And again, he didn't have a shot, but he worked on it. Exactly. He worked on it. He, as he got older, yeah. his athleticism wasn't as strong. Other people were faster than him, could jump higher than him. So what did he do? He worked on his shot. And now look, like... The because then, yeah, in game seven of an NBA finals, you don't want blokes sagging off you because you can't shoot. That's exactly right. Yeah. Ben Simmons take note. So he, yeah. he, he worked at his game. Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, two-time MVP. Every offseason, he's just working on his yes. three-pointer. Yeah, yeah, and his foul shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just working on his shots. I love that you brought this up. 
So, so obviously, I'm a Spurs fan. Look, they're never on. You, I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't seen a Spurs game for years. Okay. But do you know much about Jeremy Sohan, our uh, recent draftee? He is killing it. He is doing so well. So He is balling. So he was shooting like 40% from the line, right? From free throw. Free throw. Oh, shit. He moved to a one-handed shot. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He lifted his percentage. Since then, he's up to 79%. What? Yeah. That's almost a double yes. increase of yes. 2x. Yes. Isn't that incredible? That's insane. And that's what I love about it. He's got a lot of Rodman about him, not just the hair. Yeah. Oh, he's but he's willing to, he doesn't care. Uh, like he'll, he probably would do the granny, the, yeah, the yeah, Rick Barry underarm. Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Mate. Yeah, so there you go. The Spurs are exciting. I'll tell you what, if you get Webby. Well, all right. Let's talk about tanking. So Stewie has been in this delusional world where. Well, okay, so get Webby. Yeah. It's not happening, Stewie. No, Sorry, it, Stewie. And I said to him, Stewie, I, I love you, but you're wrong. I don't even think the Spurs will get him, right? And we've lost, like, what, 20 more games than you guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys are on the brink of the plane. And I said all along, I said, mate, you're too talented. Yeah. Your team is too talented. Yeah, it's true. Even without check how good is Jalen Williams Bloody Williams been? He is insane. And he's, he's and he's a defensive beast. beast. Yeah. He's so good defensively. He could be a Kawhi Leonard. He, if, if he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's how Kawhi came into the league. There you go. That could be a diamond in the rough. Jalen right? Williams is, and he was 12th pick, 11th, 12th. Well, you got two of them, so it's yeah, hard I to remember. It's like bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Jalen squared. Yeah, yeah Jalen's yeah. Yeah, it's, different spelling, but that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's two Jalen uh, Williams. It's the um, it's the small forward, oh power, small forward, power forward switch, Jalen Williams. But look at Shake Gildas Alexander. Yes, I've got a stat L. Shake Gildas Alexander is the because I I play fantasy basketball. Oh yeah, he's the number three ranked fantasy basketball player in all the NBA behind Nikola Jokic and uh, Luka Doncic. His percentages. Have you seen his percentages this season? Shea Gildas? They can't. He, he's unstoppable near the ring. We'll get this, mate. So eight players in the league currently average 10 or more points per game on drives. Okay. He averages 17 per game. points per game on drives at 51%. Yeah. The next best is Ja Morant at 15-ish, 14.8. Luca 14.7. De'Aaron Fox, 12.3. So already by fourth. It's a five-ish point drop. So, yeah, he's killing it. Absolutely killing it. He is killing it. And bloody puts on the research again. But, you know, like, it's true. His field goal percentage this year has been around the 52% mark. His free throw percentage is above 90. And his three-point is just under 40. So if he can get it above 40, he's going to have a 50-40-90 season. And if you guys had won 20 more games, oh, I, I say 20 as it like, it's just a throwaway. Oh, just a mere 20 more games. No. But if you guys had won more games, he'd be a legit MVP. Candidate. Totally, yeah. totally. But it just shows his talent. And it just shows that next year, Chet, Chet Holgram is inserted in the lineup. Line Jalen Williams has really had a year of just, he's balling. Josh Giddy is really starting to get that floor general. Like, as you said, 17 assists. He's really he's not even 21. Not even 21. As you said, he's what is that the second most triple doubles now behind Luka Doncic? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So, mate. The sky's the limit. Okay, so he's primed. So we're not even without Wemby. Yeah, we don't need Wemby, and I don't without Wemby, and I don't, and I don't feel we need him. I mean, Charlotte, I mean, God, imagine if Wemby goes to Houston. Yeah. Hey, it's possible. But, but you know what? Houston have been fucking balling out the last couple of weeks. Like Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green, like they got a. There's they, a lot of big raps for Jalen Green. Do you know what I mean, yeah. there's a lot of young yeah. draft picks there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, if he goes there, it'd be exciting. Yeah, oh yeah, it would. Anyway, I mean, he'll improve any team, Absolutely. but so will Scoot Henderson, and they're now they're now starting to say the top four picks will be really good. There you go. Who who could very easily be a number one any other year? Wow. So it's a strong draft. Yeah. So I just hope we don't fall out of the, the top three, oh, basically. God, you want as it. a Spurs fan? You need it, man. Yeah, well, we do. Because no free agents are coming to San Antonio. No. And again, no one's crying over. I mean, we've had a very good run for a long time. Well, that's right. It's like, okay, so, well, we haven't had a good run, but no one's coming to Oklahoma either. No, no. no. Well, but like... you, you've had a lot of good years. You've punched above your weight. But yeah, yep. there's some destinations just struggle to attract free agents and it's but, tough. It's tough. Yeah. But when you think about the guys like Paul George, you've had a lot of very good players. Yeah, and you drafted Sabonis, for God's sake. I know. What a! It's just a fascinating team. Yeah, so so how do you feel about tanking? Are you glad that you're on the brink of the play-in? Yes, do you I want am. them to make the play-in? Like it's okay. So you have a very different view to Stewie. Well, I totally now is the time to counter make a counterpoint. This is it. This is how I'm saying. Please. Well, Stewie, right now, mate, you and me, we're facing off. 
because what I've got to say is that uh, we're ready now because if we don't start putting our best foot forward, we may lose Mr. Gildas Alexander. Exactly. We want him, and he is our greatest asset. We can talk about draft picks and all this. No, you need someone at the team who has got experience and who can lead from the front. And Shea Gildas has been doing that season in, season out. He's putting up way better numbers than Paul George. Yes, okay, our team's less deep and, you know, whatnot, but... Oh, that's a long game, though, draft that's, picks. That's exactly, yeah. that's right. But we still have a war chest of draft picks, a war chest for the next four years. You know, we've got pick swaps, all types of business. So we know that we can actually... We've now got foundational pieces. Shea, Giddy, Williams, Chet... When he comes in, he's got emotional pieces. So those other picks... What do you make of Ziyang? Have you seen much of him? Or I quite like him. I and, like him, but... Oh, I mean, it's raw. There's a long way to go. Way to go but but I, I think he's got a really high ceiling too. Same. Yeah. The thing with Sam Presti is he knows his shit. As a general manager, you don't get... Former Spur. Former Spur, right? Yeah. See, this is this is the pop, the, like the... The magic dust just rubs off on. You know how they talk about coaching trees? Yeah, it's like the the Belichick coaching tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steve Kerr in Golden State, Presti in OKC. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Brett Brown. He was on a developing team, too. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, we love Brett Brown. Shout out to Brett Brown. Mate. Yeah. Aussie icon. Yeah, well, he's well, he's a Yank, but but he's, he's, yeah, no, he's got a special place in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yank, yank Aussie icon. All right, Al. Well, we've barely scratched probably a quarter of my list, but that's a good thing. And I'd love to, or we would love to be it myself or both of us, would love to have you back before September. Thank you very much. If you've got the time, we would yeah. love it. Yeah. Let's finish on this. Do you see the Fred Van Vliet presser? No, what happened? Oh, mate. And let me just say something first and foremost before we get into the story about Fred Van Vliet. But my cousin and I joined the Champions League this year, National Champions League in fantasy basketball. Fred Van Fleet was left. We took him in the like, second round. Absolute turd. The worst second round pick that we have ever taken. And I tell you what, we've been playing fantasy basketball for 12 years and Fred Van Fleet has been stinking up the team. Who else was available then? I don't, I, I don't even want to go into it. Oh, mate. Well, with our first pick, we took Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, injury, though. Well, last... He, he's only averaged 40-odd games this season for the last four years. Last week was the first round. We were the top team. We were, so you only get... It's a 20-team league, okay? Yep. 20 yep. teams. So And it's a snake draft, right? So if you got the first pick, your next pick would be 40. 40 yes. Right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it goes all the way up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We Step got... Exactly. We, exactly. We got the yep. sixth pick. So we took Kevin Durant. Yeah, um, oh, as no, you would. Oh, this is a different team. So I know you want to go into it, but but hey, sorry, but we had a cracking team. We had Kevin Durant, Jaron Jackson Jr., nice, Mikael Bridges, defensive base, Zach Levine, good good fantasy stat uh, blocks and steals, mate. Yep. Trey Jones, nice late pick. Yeah, He's nice. Been gold. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, Jalen Brunson. Yes. Yep. Loving New York. Yep. Last week, we were the top team. Last week was the first week of the finals. Last week, what happens? Jalen Brunson gets injured. Mm. Kevin Durant goes down. Trey Jones injured. We lost. This is fantasy sport, isn't it? We lost in the first week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes takes the player's real-life statistics, and that contributes to your team. Yeah, I play fantasy NFL. There you go. It's why do we put ourselves through it every season? I I, I just can't do NBA. It's just too much. It's like NFL at least is weekends. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So what's this? The presser. The boys paused here so that the ginger assassin could watch Fred's press conference. Oh, my God. Fred Van Fleet, you've won back all of my respect. Van Fleet. Ben Taylor. So the minute that costs 30 grand, what do you make of it? What, it was just the gift. Him 30 grand? Oh, yeah. You bet they, you bet they did. Uh, like it, it was it was the gift that kept on giving, wasn't it? Like just when he thought he was done, he was like, oh, they're dicks. Or you know what I mean? He oh, said no. something. It was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fred, wow. Look, you know what? You shouldn't throw rest under the table. But it is fascinating, though, because when you do actually think about it, Refs have got a level of have got a level of power out there. 
Oh, of course. You know, so and yep. surely there'd be some that would abuse their power. Oh, Scott Foster. And have you heard, I mean, you might not want to, because when Stewie and I talked about it, it's like almost ruining Christmas. Have you heard the Whistleblower podcast? No. You really want to, but you really don't want to listen to the Whistleblower podcast. No way. So remember Tim Donahue, the disgraced NBA ref? Who had been embroiled in like a betting? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I saw oh, it goes on. way oh, beyond yeah. Tim Donahue. Like this is. Oh no, I saw it on Netflix. Oh yeah, okay, there's, yeah, yeah. There's one on Netflix. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, like with betting and all types of shit. And and again, going back to Bill Simmons, he refers to the NBA as the WWE often. So yeah, it's just fascinating. Like, I mean, obviously you can't condone those comments, but. Jeez, it was entertaining, and I'm glad he said it. I like, don't know. What, like, wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and he's been balling the last few games. He's Well, he, yeah, he's got a fire under him, I guess, doesn't he? He's got a fire under him. Yeah, man. yeah. He got he got eight threes today. Nice. Eight threes, three steals, 36 points. There you go. 12 or 17 shooting. You're so well researched. <laughs> it's the fantasy... Oh, it's the fantasy finals and and ah uh, yeah right finger on the pulse yeah two of my yeah yeah, yeah anyways, nice, very watching every stat well mate thank you so much for joining me thank you what an absolute pleasure this is like I've said last time an honorary sport bloke we'll have you on any time it was a great yarn it was look admittedly very different to the show Stewie and I do but that's okay <laughs> okay that's okay guests bring their own personal flavour and that's why we love guests so thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me the best of luck for the air guitar if we don't speak to you before. I mean, I know we'll speak to you, but if we don't speak to you in an Come official on. capacity on Thank the podcast. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Before August. Yeah. Thank you so much, mate. And just an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, mate. You're a bloody legend. Love the podcast. Love everything that is about. Cheers, mate. Let's go and watch game five of the NBL final. Come on! All right. You know what that music means. Time to wrap up. By the way, I got that from Dr. Katz, if anyone's interested. Great cartoon from the 90s. Anyway, a big thank you once again to the Ginger Assassin, Alex Roberts. Great chat, lots of fun. Plenty more with him on the next episode too. Congratulations once again to the Sydney Kings. Definitely the worthy winners of the NBL 2023 season. Can't wait for the next one. Plenty more to come. AFL footy this weekend. So I might talk about that a little bit at the top of next week's show too. And then some air guitar as well. Until next time, I'm Nate. Shoey's back soon. We are the Sport Blokes.